Well, good morning. It's good to have everybody here. I, Sherry and I have been actually gone the last two Sundays. We went out to Michigan to see my son who's getting married. So we went to meet the in-laws. You know how that goes. And uh, it went okay. No, it went very well. <laughs> and um, we attended a big mega church out there where my son goes to church. And then last weekend, Sherry and I did a couples conference down in Orlando. Never got to Disney World or anything. But you, you fly in for those things and fly out and never see anything else. But, and we're there. We're in a church down there. Come back here. And um, the worship we have here exceeds anything I experienced out there. You know, I mean, God's at work all over the world. I praise his name. But he's especially doing a very good work here. And... Uh, so we're always delighted to come back, and I just, I love to sing praises with you to our blessed Lord and be led in that, so it's, it's a great blessing. Let's look to the Lord in prayer again. Um, we're going to be looking in your Bibles in this series in John, John chapter 15, verses 18, down through chapter 16, verse 4, John chapter 15, verse 18 to 16, 4. Father, um, we, we rejoice that not only is there no other name but Jesus, but that we know Jesus. Lord, will you by your grace overwhelm us afresh with the wonder that we know him. And as we look at your word, we pray that you will make us more like him for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You know this if you've done any coaching of a ball team. Um, you bring a group of young people together, guys, gals, whatever it is, and you try to form them into a team, right? Because you know competition is coming. So on the one hand, you're working really hard to make them a team that's connected. They understand their relationship with you and with one another and... and but there's going to be a challenge. They've got to play somebody. So there's, there's always the others that you've got to go up and compete against. It's, it's interesting to me, when you come to John chapter 13 to 17, Jesus is preparing his own. And, and much of what we've been reading in John chapter 13, 14, and 15, up to this point, is all about building the team. You know, because it'll tell you how wonderful God is and how loving he's been and who Jesus is and his relationship with the Father and, and the giving of the Spirit to us and, and how we should have this incredible love for one another, right? So it's, it's focused very, very much, a whole lot about that internal, our relationship with God and seeing who Jesus is and he gives us the spirit and loving each other and great stuff. But there's challenges too, aren't there? When we come to this passage, he talks about how do we interface with the world around us. Because we're a team, we're committed but there's all kinds of challenges, aren't there? So in this passage, how do we face the opposition from the world around us? 
Listen to what the text says. John chapter 15, verse 18. And he's going to give us encouraging words. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You you know what? Before I I go on reading, let, let let me take just a moment to talk about this. What do I mean by the world? Because if this is all about how we react to the world, which is against us, what do we mean by the world? Do we mean the created world? Well, sometimes the word world in the New Testament just means God's created world. It's, it's what you see, including humans. But, but that's, sometimes that's the way it's used. But in John's gospel, often the way it's used is it, it speaks of lost humanity, the world of people. Specifically, lost humanity that doesn't like the message of the gospel. They don't really want to submit to God. And so when he's using the word, word world here, you know, he's not saying um, the mountain out there hates me. But, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole system of belief that says, I mean, we just sang, Carmelo, no other name. The world doesn't like that song. What do you mean no other name? I can cut it all. I can do my own thing, right? And so there's a whole mentality with people who don't believe the gospel. And Jesus says, so if you're a team and I'm leaving and I want to prepare you, you got to know how to interface with that world. Because we have tendencies, don't we? I live in Amish country in Lancaster. You know what stance the Amish have chosen? Isolation. You know, you get real concerned about everything out there, so you just pull back and you you isolate. Then you don't worry about it. They may hate us, but we just won't talk to them. You know, just us four, no more kind of thing. But there's another option. If you don't want them to hate you, you can become like them. So you can assimilate into the world. You can isolate from the world. You can assimilate into the world. If I could just be their friend. And Jesus is going to give us a third way. He's going to say instead, I want you to be insulated because you have such a deep, rich relationship to me as you have a mission into that world. So it's not isolation, it's not assimilation, it's insulated mission where we move back to that world. Do you see? And, and so he placed it, what I, one of the things I love about the, Jesus is he tells you exactly the way it's going to be. He prepares us. He says, expect this. I'm going to read a story to you, part of a story at the end. We get, uh, did any of you guys and gals get um, Voice of the Martyrs? Are you, are you familiar with the magazine? It's a freebie. I always like freebie things. I mean, they ask for money, but, you know, uh, but, but it's technically a freebie. But it's a great, it's a great ministry. And we, we get this, this publication, and every time I open it up, I am deeply convicted. Reading, and this particular story I'll read you a little bit later about a, a general, who, unless I forget about a gentleman in Pakistan and what he's gone through. And I, I read that, I think to myself, 
Finkbeiner, what's up with you, man? When I read about what our brothers and sisters do all around the world, it's very convicting. So Jesus, what should we expect from the world? Give us some help so we're ready to know what to do with that world around us. So, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So, so that is an option, isn't it? You can assimilate. Or you can just stay there. And, and, and that, that's an option. But because you are not of the world, but, but, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So Jesus comes to his own, John 1 tells us, and his own what? Received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the, the authority to be called the children of God. And if you're here today and you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there was a time where Jesus put his finger on you and you came out of the world. You say, but don't we still live in the world? Yeah, we live in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. There's a difference, right? And so Jesus, because he chose us out of the world, and we're no longer of the world. At the end of the day, when you look at Doug Finkbeiner, what you should see is Christian. At the very core of who I am, more than being a, an American, being a husband, being male. I'm Christian. And, and that redefines everything. So Jesus has brought us out of the world. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word... They will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. You see what he's saying? Here's the thing to really understand. If at the core of our hearts, if the passion that drives us above everything else is as we sang today, the name of Jesus. They will do to us what they did to him. See, at the end of the day, they're not attacking you. They're attacking him through you. Do you remember Saul when he was on his way to Damascus? He had that vision. And Jesus said, what does Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who? Really? Like, did he throw Jesus into jail? He didn't do a thing to Jesus directly. But he did indirectly because when he did it to one of Jesus' own, he did it to Jesus. And Jesus wants his disciples to know, guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to give you my spirit. That's true. That's true. But because at your core, you are a Christ follower. That is who you are. You're a Christian. 
If you're mine and you know me, and as Tim was preaching on last week, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches, and you're all about this intimate connection with Jesus. Jesus says then, as my slave, they will do to you what they did to me. So, so don't be surprised. I was, um, and, and I'm, I'm not supporting this. I'm just saying, I, 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 well, I'm, part of it I'm supporting, but I, I, I saw some video. My, my, uh, my son, your children are really great for telling, hey, dad, look at this video. You know what I'm saying? YouTube, you got to see this, dad. Okay, fine. So I get most of my YouTube ideas from my kids. But it was this, uh, it was a principal in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Um, two, two teenagers had gone to the, the corner, and they, they had signs up about uh, against abortion. But at least from what I could hear that they were saying to people passing by, they were very gracious with it. They were just saying Jesus is the answer. He can forgive any sin and seem very gracious. Well, this, this principal came out. And said, get out of here. And they said, well, no, sir, we can, you know, we can be here. I mean, teenagers, I was really kind of amazed by, by the way they stood. That guy stood there for 20 minutes. And every time they would start talking, he'd go, la, 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 la. I mean, I, mean, I thought, what a, what a baby. I mean, like, I, did, did we see that video? I mean, if you watch it, it's a Downingtown Principal Jesus, and you'll probably find it. I don't know. But, but, but. But the words he was saying to those young people, they were saying, sir, we're just telling people there's hope in Jesus. And he said, I hate you, and I hate him, and I don't care if all those babies go to hell with you. He said something like that. I, I don't remember what it was. I'm thinking like, buddy, you're being videoed with all this stuff. I, I, that's not exact words, but if you watch it, that's, that's kind of where things are. And, and I was just watching that guy. I was thinking, why do you hate these young people so much? I mean, why don't you just go say, hey, look, I don't buy into what you say, but you're, yeah, we live in America. You can say whatever you want. And just walk off. I, I don't know. That kind of makes sense to me. But you could just see the hatred spilling out. If, if we live our Christianity out loud, folks, you will face opposition. You go to work and say, can you believe some of those people, those, those Christian people that they, they say like, you know, marriage should only be between a man and a woman and there's only one way to heaven, Jesus, with all these other religions. And they look at you and you say, well, that's what I believe. What kind of response do you think you're going to get? Praise the Lord? <laughs> Pro- probably not. And, and we should always be gracious and as winsome as we can. And I, 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 I'm for all that stuff, folks. But if we just, if we're just Jesus people, we're going to face opposition. And it's okay. Because Jesus is saying, I'm preparing you now. It, it's part of coming out of the world, being in the world, but being brought out of the world so you can be unique, so you can go back to the world in a way that's really powerful for me. Does that make sense? And he says, just, just so you know, it, it's, it's when they come after you, they're not coming after you, they're coming after me. And they're not just coming after me, Jesus says, they're coming after God the Father. Look what he says in verse 22. If, if I had not come and spoken to them, 
they, they would, now, this is a literal translation, okay, but it depends upon the translation you have. But literally, it says, they would not have sin. Some of your translations probably say they would not feel guilt for their sin or something like that, which is a good translation. But it's literally, they would not have sin. And, and now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sin. But now they have both seen me, both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this in order that the word may be fulfilled that is written in, and you might want to underline this word, in their law. They hated me without a cause. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, God the Father is the one who sent me here. What, what, what is one of our most popular verses in, in the Gospel of John? John 3.16. For God so loved what? The world. the world. The world of great people. The world of people that were against him. But God the Father sent his son so they could hear from God incarnate himself, the words of God, and they could see the miracles and works of God. And, and he says, so here's God the Father sending me into the world. I come and I declare to them the truth. And, and I have sign gifts which, which show them that this is all true. And what do they do? They hate me. And they hate the Father. Folks, we're part of that story. If, if you know Christ. If you don't know Christ, we're so happy you're here. And the best thing that could happen to you today is that you would be brought by God's grace out of the world. And you would become a forgiven follower of Jesus Christ today. That would be the best thing in the world. That's, that's why Christ came. But when light comes, what happens to people who like darkness? They react. When truth is spoken, people who believe a lie react. But when they react against Jesus, they're reacting against God. So when you and I go out and we live Christ before people, and they come after us for whatever reason, however, and in our, in our country, it's, it's verbal, really. I mean, I, my guess is nobody in here has ever been hit physically for sharing the gospel. Maybe you have. But when they do it to you, they do it to Jesus. When they do it to Jesus, they do it to God the Father who sent Jesus so that people might come. Do, do, do you see? The other thing I find to be really interesting in these verses, the Bible is very clear on this. With heightened privilege... Always comes heightened responsibility. I mean, folks, if God himself, not if, he did. Since God himself has come and become a man and has dwelt among us, that is the privilege of all privileges. And Jesus says, with that there, here I am speaking the truth. And people say, now nah, I'll go my own way. With with that kind of rejection, they are heaping on themselves all kinds of judgment. 
With heightened privilege always comes heightened responsibility. And the world has turned away. And in the midst of all that, Jesus says, they have the Old Testament scriptures, the Jews, which they say they believe. And do they not know from Psalm 69, a messianic psalm, that it says they will hate me without a cause? So their very Old Testament scriptures, which they say they believe in, indict them. And Jesus says, when you witness in this world, just remember who you're connected to. Jesus, God the Son. God the Father. And the Spirit who indwells you. Do you see? He continues in verse 26. It's a great text. And I want to make just one clarification in verse 27. But listen to this. Tim's going to talk about this more in detail next week. Verse 26. When the helper or the comforter or the the advocate, different translations say it different ways. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. In verse 27, my translation says, and you will bear witness. Maybe your translation says, and you must bear witness. I think must is a better translation. It could be an indicative, which just makes a statement, or it could be a command and an imperative. And I would argue it's the second. In the Greek, it could go either way. There's, you just have to look at context. And this is what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I've just told you some hard things. I've just said that if you are my committed people, there are people in the world around you that will hate you because of your love for Christ. But when they hate you, they're really hating him. But I want you to know something else. Rather than isolating and saying, fine, we'll just be Amish here in Washington Township. I want you to realize something. I have given you my helper. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, God and the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he will be that He will be the one that works in the inside when you speak on the outside. Do you see that? He is the one that will come and he will witness of me to the world of people that are opposed to the message. But he will break through. And you must, verse 27, you must therefore not isolate, but engage that world. Because as you speak on the outside, he will witness in their hearts on the inside. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, you, you could get to this point, you could say, man, the world, oh, no, 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 no. Some people say, I'll either be like it or run from it. He says, no, you be insulated because you have such a rich relationship with me. And then you allow me to put you into that world, showing them the love of Christ in a way that only I can do. Powerful. 16, 1 to 4. 
gives a little bit more insight into this. And, and, and again, one of the things I love about Jesus, I love so much about him, is that he's, he's always thinking about how to prepare us to be ready for whatever he has for us. Look at 16.1. These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. You know what he's saying, telling his disciples? I don't want to die, resurrect, ascend, and have you out there saying, oh, no. Like, what's this all about? Jesus never told me it would be. I thought everybody would, would, would love us. Jesus says, no. I want to keep you from stumbling. I want you, when I am in heaven interceding for you and my, the spirit is within you, I want you to know this is exactly what he said would happen. I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to get caught off guard. Verse 4, these things I have spoken to you that when their hour comes, when you experience this, you may remember that I told you of them. You know what that does? It bolsters your confidence in Christ, doesn't it? He told me about it. I'm now experiencing it. Huh, I guess he's in control. That's exactly correct. He says, this is how intense, though, the opposition can get. Look at verse 2 in chapter 16. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. Is that not amazing to you? In the first century, you have Saul of Tarsus, who is not only interested that these Christians are expelled from the synagogue, he wants to hunt them down, throw them into prison, and kill them. And he would tell you that it's all in service to God because they have blasphemed Jehovah's name because of this Jesus character. Isn't that exactly what happens? Gentleman by the name of Hamid, who grew up in Pakistan, can tell a similar story. Pakistan is 98% Muslim. Less than 1% Christian. And in, in, in this particular magazine, when he unpacks his story, he grew up in a, in, in a Christian home, and he said they were constantly oppressed by the culture around them. They were given the worst jobs. They would often not get the kind of legal service they should get. It was just one thing after another. And as a young boy, he just, he just kind of said, I'm walking away from this thing because it is not worth it. But around the age of 20, he came to faith in Christ. He saw that Jesus was everything. Because he'd, he'd gone down this spiral. He's ready to kill himself, suicidal. Just, just, he said, I tried everything and it just, just took me in this direction. So it's all about Jesus. And, and, and he, since that point, it, his story is incredible. He just, he just goes and he just shares his faith with whoever he sees. And he, he doesn't care. And, and there was this huge earthquake back in uh, 2004, 2005. 100,000 people died in Pakistan from that earthquake. And he was there 
providing as much physical help as he could. He connected up with, I think, Samaritan's Purse or somebody. I don't remember who it was now, but a group. And he was loving the people. He said we were getting two hours of sleep a night. We were loving the people and sharing Jesus with them everywhere we went. But he said, the Muslims that hate us, they think they're doing this against us. And Allah is going, yeah. That's what happens with, with religiosity. Religiosity will attack the only true faith and think that they got God's support. So that's you never, I mean, when you read that, those stories, you go like, I mean, the Muslims feel like when you, these, some of these Muslims, some of these Muslims, because I know there's a lot of Muslims that wouldn't do that, but these Muslims that would kill these Christians for what they believe, that, that, that that's something that God wants? Yeah, just read John 16. <laughs> I mean, nothing's changed, folks. This text, if I could put it into one sentence, I'd say this. Even though our intimate relationship with God the Son and God the Father will inevitably result in opposition from the world, we are called to be witnesses of Jesus through the Spirit, to that very world. That's what he says. Richard Wormbrandt said this. Remember him? He, he, he was under communism. I love this. He said, I hate the communist system, but I love the communists with all my heart. Isn't that good, folks? You look at a world system around us that, that, that is against God. And we don't like it. And we shouldn't like it. And we should prophetically speak about it. But we should see all the people as not only our opponents, but victims of the devil and, his, and what he's doing. And we should move back there to say, we're not back here to be like you. We want you to know there's a better way. Come to Jesus. You see? see? That's what the text does. So in preparing his own, Jesus says, oh boy, I want to talk to you about how rich your, your relationship with me is. And he talks about it in chapter 13 and 14 and 15 and how much you should be loving one another. Great stuff. Wonderful. It's all part of it. But you got to know as a team how to respond to the world around you. Don't isolate. It's our tendency, isn't it? Don't assimilate. Don't become like them. Because you're not there anymore. Rather, out of a deep relationship with God in which you are insulated. Mission. Back to that world. And watch what God can do. This Hamid, I continued reading his story last night. He, he, um, he came to the States for, a couple, for, I don't know, maybe a year or something like that. And he was so effective. He was reaching all kinds of Muslim uh, communities where, I don't remember if he was in Texas. I can't remember where he was at now. My wife, where was he? Texas, okay. I'm sure, he, sure, he, sure he knows the story better than me. Um, and in the midst of all that, the people were saying, hey, you should just stay here. You got a niche in America, 
and reach the Muslims in America, in Texas. And he said, I can't. God's called me to Pakistan. So although he had effective ministry here, he said, I want to go back. And he said this. He said, I want to go back to Pakistan for two reasons. Number one, I want to witness to as many people about Jesus as possible. And I don't care what they do to me. Because Jesus is everything. Secondly, I want to teach the Christians in Pakistan the best way to respond is not to isolate, but it's to witness. And then I thought of us in America. I have never been threatened with my life by anybody in this country for being a Christian. Maybe you have. I I don't know. I never have. I, I worry about what they might say to me. How they might view me. Yeah, I mean, we, like, I might not have the words. All kinds of stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, they're all excuses. They're not reasons, they're excuses. If you know the true and living God, I mean, Jesus, the only hope of the world is Jesus. That's it. I know people won't like it. But some of them will respond to it. And we are called to move back with love and compassion to say, come to Jesus. And if they say no, we ask him again and we find somebody else. We just keep at it. So what I would ask you is this. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And... um. As before I pray, would you pray to God personally, privately? And would you, would you ask him to give you names of people that he would have you witness to? That he would just tenderize your heart? Because I don't know if you're like me, folks. I just get caught up in the rat race of life. And I just kind of move along and I do whatever I do. And I forget, we are this unique community of Jesus followers who must be the light to the world around us. We're all they have. We ask him to work in your heart. I'm going to wait about 30 seconds before I close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, it's, it's always challenging to um, give justice to your word. It's, just, it's so powerful, and I just pray through your spirit that you will touch us with the wonder of Jesus, the privilege that we actually get to know him and talk about him, And when we talk about him, we never do it alone because the spirit is at work. God, help us not to be surprised from opposition. Help us not to pull back from it. Help us to, out of deep love and love for you, ultimately, and love for them, engage the world around us. Not become like them, but not isolate ourselves from them either. So, Father, 
take your word and wherever you've touched us, we would pray that you would make it a growing reality in our lives. We love you. There is no other name and we praise your name that we know Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.